The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. Tommy's here. I am here. The show presented by Window Nation. Call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. They'll take very good care of you. Mention my name and you'll get a free estimate. Sorry about yesterday. Tom Tom is privy to a lot of um, what goes on in the production of this podcast. When I say privy, he doesn't participate in any of it, nor has he been asked to participate in it. But occasionally things will start with, you know, a show and we're having a conversation and then I'll say, uh-oh. And he, <laughs> and he says, oh, you're not recording. Yesterday was the oddest of things that have ever happened since I started doing this podcast. I had Clinton Portis on the show. We recorded the interview earlier uh, in the day, and then I went and did the rest of the podcast. And then when I sat down to, you know, clean up the podcast, edit it a little bit, I noticed that five to six, maybe seven minutes roughly of the beginning part of my conversation with Clinton Portis didn't exist. I still can't figure out how that happened. It is a mystery, a total mystery. It's one thing to not be recording. You wouldn't have any of the conversation. Uh, But I was recording, and four-fifths of the conversation was there, but the first part of it wasn't. Tommy, I sat in here, and I was like, I can't figure it out. I called Aaron. I called other people that really know, you know, the the editing and the recording um, program that I use. It's called Adobe Audition, and it's great. We've all used it for years in radio, and it just disappeared. It wasn't there. Still can't figure it out. Have no idea what happened. You know, this is so unusual because your operation is usually so finely tuned. It's so buttoned up. I know. I mean, this is this is not like the uh, Kevin Sheehan show at all. I mean, we have ca- we have issues on occasion, and they're usually self inflicted. I mean, almost always. Uh, but that one was a strange one. Clinton was great. I enjoy Clinton. Uh, it was funny because you know I call him and I've got him on the phone and I said, uh, "So how have you been?" Because I hadn't talked to him in a while, and he goes. 
All's good. How are you doing? I said, fine. And he goes, yeah, I'm just, I'm just in slow motion, man. I've just slowed everything down, just taking it, you know, easy, not getting worked up over things. In slow motion, um, he was, uh, until I got him riled <laughs> up a little bit about asking him why um, Jason Campbell was set up to fail here. And he said, well, they would tell him to throw a play. It would definitely be there, and then it would be a pick six going the other way. And I, I said, well, who was that, Al Saunders? And he's like, nah, man, remember, I'm in slow motion today. I'm not getting into that. I'm not creating headlines. <laughs> and then I said, oh, yeah, that's right. It was Zorn. Of course it was Zorn. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, this uh, review from Izzy, who gave us five stars. Thank you very much, Izzy. Izzy wrote, love the show 99.99999% of the time. Constantly impressed by the Ken Beatrice-like knowledge. I have even warmed up to Tommy over time. It does take time. Ironically, almost the only thing I vehemently disagree with Kevin's opinion on is Anthony Gibson. Uh, It would be Antonio Gibson, but it's fine. He isn't bad out of the backfield, but that's really it. I don't get the love affair. Not only the fumbleitis, but his running is average at very best. Also, how many games do we have to watch him go out of bounds when we are trying to use the clock? It was highlighted watching Terry get on the ground, his next catch on the very next play. Please use all of your normally great analysis and even keeledness made upward to see him for what he is, an okay player who net-net costs as much as he helps us. But I love the show. Keep up the work. Thank you, Izzy, for that very much. Yeah, I am a big Antonio Gibson fan. I have been. Maybe I'm a little bit blind to it. I think in, I think he's actually now just starting to become someone that Eric Bieniemy believes in and trusts as much as as I have. The fumbling has been a problem. Understood. We've acknowledged that. I think he, I don't know. I think he's better than what his production has shown in his time here. I think on another team with. You know, it could be this team with Sam Howell and Eric Bieniemy moving forward, but I think um, I think he's pretty talented. But certainly entitled to your opinion, opinion, Izzy. But I thank you for you know the review. Uh, I would think I think that the coaching staff thinks more like him than you. I mean, they really. I mean, their use of him has been sporadic. I mean, you know, he's not a go-to guy. Yes, Sunday was the the most touches he's had on the season. He had 11 touches for 76 yards and um, was a factor not only there, but he had had a 37-yard kickoff return. Um, But, yes, this year that would be true. It's interesting, though, that, you know, the runs that Ron's teams have made here, and they've made a run, no matter how minimal – but they have made runs in November. His November record here in Washington is now 9-3 and three after Sunday. They have been spearheaded in part by, you know, a more run-focused offense around Antonio yes. Gibson. Yes, it has. And uh, yes. so I guess I wanted to start. And one other thing about Gibson. Yeah. He, wasn't, he, he didn't come out of college a running back, right? No, he was a wide receiver at Memphis. Yeah. Yeah. Something they'll always consider. 
Yes. Um, here's something to consider. It's kind of off of your column the other day, uh, the one that you wrote, you know, talking about Ron, how, you know, we've talked about this a lot as well, that Ron can't, you know, get Sam Howell out of his mouth. Uh, it's just a constant referring to Sam Howell, even if the question isn't about Sam Howell. And you wrote a column the other day about, you know, they've de- they, they've called him the quarterback and you have said, you know, is it the or is it a quarterback? And you got into that and, you know, the whole conversation about they've got five picks, three rounds, first th- three rounds, C.J. Stroud had this. We, we had that conversation the other day, but – Yes, he did. But I wanted to further the conversation. And the conversation goes like this. What if Sam continues to produce at a high level the rest of the year like he has the last two weeks? What if the last two weeks aren't an aberration? And by the way, my my lean would be it's not that it's that it, that it's not an aberration that we are going to continue to see overall more good than bad. I don't know where that leads in terms of him being a starting quarterback, top half of the league starting quarterback, elite quarterback. I would probably push back on anybody that is convinced that he's going to be an elite quarterback. But Chris Trapasso, CBSSports.com, wrote a story this morning uh, titled, Commander Sam Howell could challenge for being the best late-round quarterback since Tom Brady. He is on pace to have the second most productive passing yardage season in franchise history behind Kirk Cousins' season in 2016. Uh, Already for his first season, he's going to break every first-year passing record more likely than than not, including Kirk Cousins' first year as the full-time starter in 2015, which I think is the second-best all-time passing yardage uh, season in franchise history. And I'm getting to this. Ron is clearly hell-bent here recently on making sure that everybody, fans, media, ownership – understand that he found the quarterback. We would all agree, most reasonable people I think would agree, it's a bit premature to take a victory lap on Sam Howell after nine games. It's it's looked really good the last two games. Still way too premature. But he has his arms raised in a V on Sam Howell, which is the reason he continues not – very subtly, um, you know, it's it's hardly been something that's gone unnoticed by anybody that pays attention to these things. He wants everybody to know he's the guy that found Sam Howell. And if he is gone, send me my Super Bowl ring because I left you yeah. with a quarterback, as he said before the season started. Even though I think we all who have followed the, this in the day-to-day understand it wasn't necessarily Ron that found him, but if we're yeah. gonna if we're gonna blame Ron for the personnel stuff whenever it goes wrong, you know because he's the number one decision maker on personnel, he gets credit if Sam Howell turns out to be the guy. The question is this: Where does this go if Sam Howell turns out to be not only a guy but maybe the guy as it relates to Ron Rivera? Well, there's a couple of components here. First of all, uh, 
if Ron Rivera is back, Sam Howell is back. Sam Howell is a starter. That's a lock. Okay. If, if Ron Rivera is not back and we have a whole new group of people in charge, I don't think it matters what Sam Howe does. I still think if they like a quarterback in the draft high, they're going to pick one. Okay. I, that's the column you wrote the other day. I want to focus on Rivera here. Is Rivera okay. tying and hitching his wagon, as he has done so obviously here, uh, to Sam Howell, even though the conversation has been we got to be patient, we got a young quarterback, he's fighting through it. We're, you know, that's two weeks ago. That's, you know, after the Giant game, that's after the Buffalo game. Um, but then after the last two weeks, he's the quarterback. Since he's hitched his wagon so tightly with Sam Howell for the purposes, I think it's pretty obvious that he wants to get credit for Sam Howell and potentially walk into his fifth year, fifth and final year of his contract, coaching Sam Howell uh, for another season. Can he convince with a a continuation of growth and improvement from Sam Howell, can he convince ownership that he deserves to come back next year? I think they would have to win two games in the playoffs. See, they make the playoffs. Look, the Junkies ran a poll this morning. Uh, if the Commanders make the playoffs this season, would you bring back head coach Ron Rivera? Oh, they did? Over 1,900 votes, 88% no. Yeah. I'm... I think the new ownership pays attention to the fan base because they need the fan base. You may not like the idea of owners listening to fans, but sometimes that's kind of ridiculous. But I think this ownership group is very attuned to what the fan base thinks and wants. All right, so a couple things here. Um, I want to start with this. It's very possible that Ron is angling for something that isn't the head coaching job, that he's angling for the general manager position. I'm just throwing it out there because, you know, hitching his wagon to being the guy responsible for bringing Sam Howell, the quarterback, to this organization, um, you know, the the obvious answer would be, well, this is Ron's ticket in his own mind. I don't believe it. In his own mind, this is his ticket to his fifth and final year of the contract and maybe even in his own mind an extension. And uh, as I, you know, go back through the months of having this conversation, I don't even think in his own mind he's thinking it needs a playoff win. It just needs to keep looking better and better and better and him looking more right and more right and more right. Uh, I don't think that Ron Rivera is going to be back. I want to get that out as the head coach. I don't think Ron Rivera is going to be the general manager. I'm just wondering if you've given any thought to maybe he's not angling for a fifth year as a head coach. Maybe he's angling to become the general manager. But he is the general manager for all I know, but as a standalone job moving forward. So in other words, get paid to do half the amount of work? No. To not be the head coach, but to become the general manager. And it becomes a second professional life for him where he's not a coach anymore. He's just the head of Uh the, the, you know, he's a a front office executive and the head of football operations. I think this is the least likely scenario. Um, I think the only way he comes back is as a coach. Right. I'm just throwing it out there. 
Okay, I'm just throwing it out there because, you know, it, it's it's a lot of look at what I found you. I'm going to be vindicated. 40 of 53 players, you know, the quote from earlier this season, if I leave you with that, send me my ring. <clears throat> so, um, I don't think that Ron Rivera can be back as the general manager of this football team. I don't think there's any chance that Ron Rivera is back next year with the head of football operations, VP of football operations, whatever that title is with head coach. I'm actually legitimately forgetting what the title is. It's not important. Josh Harris is going to hire a number one football person. And that person is going to be somebody who doesn't think uh, third down conversions is an analytic, is an advanced statistic. Ron doesn't even understand when he's talking about analytics or advanced numbers, what they actually are. Uh, So Josh Harris understands that. They may like Ron Rivera, the man, a lot. They may even like aspects of him as a head coach. But they're bringing a super sharp person into this organization. No offense, Ron's not super sharp. And these guys, again, may like him, and he's a high-quality person, high-integrity man, but they want to bring some real brains into the operation that does not exist currently with Ron Rivera as the head of football operations. So I promise you today, Ron Rivera is not the general manager come January, you know, 15th or 20th or I agree. whenever the regular season ends. I agree. I think that's the, that's the least likely scenario. I know. I, ju- I was just throwing it out there with respect to Ron. Do you think it's Ron that might be angling to a certain degree for, if I'm not the coach, hey, look at all the players and look at the quarterback that I found. So that's number one. Number two, as far as whether or not him hitching his wagon to Sam Howell, could prolong his coaching career. I also think that that is a long shot. I don't think that Ron's going to get credit for Sam Howell. And even though he's the number one football decision maker and people will say, well, it doesn't matter whether or not he made that decision on that particular player, he was responsible for it. You know, and so he's re- he should be responsible for the, for the good and the bad in terms of roster construction. But Ron Rivera had no idea that Sam Howell was capable of doing what he's been doing this year as late as two or three days before the season finale last year. As late as actually midway through the game against the Cowboys. As was written by whoever wrote that story, I'm forgetting now, it may have been Kime, um, where you know, I think it was Sports Illustrated, where he was. He said to his wife, "Yes, I had no idea he was this good." Right. Not to mention that, was that Sports Illustrated. Not to not to mention that the acquisition of Sam Howell has you know had this incredible revisionist history description of we had this super high grade on him, and yet even though they felt like probably other teams had a super high grade on him. And they acted like they wanted him so badly. They didn't pick him in the fourth round. They didn't pick him in the fourth round again and traded back with their second fourth round pick into the fifth round and risked losing him. So when he was there at the beginning of the fifth round, it's, oh, he's, you know, we like him. He's high up on our board. Let's take him. Let's take him. 
But remember, they had just traded for Carson Wentz. They believed in Carson Wentz. You know, although I still don't know how much they believed in Carson Wentz. I think Carson Wentz was the last option in that offseason. Russell Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo, et cetera, et cetera. But I think if you're paying attention as new ownership, you got to understand that this wasn't a guy that Ron started calling out months before the draft with his team of personnel people saying, this is our guy, this is him. You know, and the sack issue, by the way, is going to make him fall a little bit. So we're going to be able to get him a little bit later. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get somebody here in here as a plug and play for one year. This guy Wentz, you know, we'll give up something for Wentz. This is our guy, you know. That's all revisionist history. Nobody actually believes that that's been paying attention. But this is the move he's making right now. And here's the thing that's so interesting about it. Sam's making him look really good. Sam's making him look right. Yeah. Sam's making Ron Rivera, who went into this thing wishing, not knowing, nobody out there knew for sure. It was wish and hope mode, and Sam's making it pay off for him. So. I know, but let's remember. What? Sam Howe is a. What did he do yesterday? Product right now. He doesn't have a long enough track record. Of course not. To, to, to for anyone to judge, even though everyone's judging him, that this is the guy. He could stink it up on Sunday in Seattle, just like he did against the Giants a couple of weeks ago. Like you pointed out, we're not that far removed from that Giants game. Okay, so. Uh, we don't know if this is the norm, what he's done the last couple of weeks, or if he's, you know, or if his his talent remains inconsistent. I I totally agree with you. I'm with you. That's why I'm not in a rush to take the last two weeks of praise and say that it's permanent. That's but that's not really what I'm 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 trying to get at. I'm trying to get at if he does continue to play like he has the last two weeks. And if he does, the team will have some success. They may, they're not going to win every game because they're not as good as some of these other teams that they're playing. But they will be in the playoff hunt until late in the season if he plays and the yeah. offense produces at the level that it's pr- produced at the last two weeks. Could he, you know, and, and to a certain extent, Eric Bieniemy in the offense, give Ron a chance to come back as a head coach next year? Because maybe new well, ownership says, wow, arrow pointing up, Sam Howell's really developed. Maybe they give Eric Bieniemy all the credit for it. Uh, but, you know, Ron's really pushing this narrative of, look at what I found you guys. It's not just for the purposes of, you know, trying to be in the conversation of the guy that brought Sam Howell. There's some strategery there for him. He wants everybody to understand he's the guy that gave you Sam Howell, so why would you want to get rid of me? Of course, if he performs well, if the team performs well, not him, if the team performs well and even makes the playoffs, his chance increases, but it's a chance that, that, that you know, that in other words, I think the discussion among ownership and management will take a few minutes longer to get rid of him 
if he manages <laughs> to get this team into the playoffs. You mean they'll actually have to hold a meeting to discuss it rather yes. than, yeah. Yes. So what are we going to do about this guy? He went and made the playoffs. Do we have to keep him? And they'll say, <laughs> that yeah. That damn Rivera went and made the playoffs. Him? I don't think there's a chance either. I mean, I think the, I think there's one chance. I think there's one chance, and that is Sam continues to ball out. They actually make the playoffs, and then they perform well in the postseason. Performing well yeah. to me means winning a game and then in a second road game, because they would all be road games, like literally taking, say, the Eagles in a second-round divisional round matchup to overtime and losing again 37-34, something like that, where, you know, that would require a much longer meeting. I do think that their mind has been made up on cleaning house. But I think that, you know, what we've seen from Ron is an effort to really prop himself up in the eyes of everybody. Um, as and, and it's all about the quarterback. And it's been all about the quarterback. I just think it's just, you know, it's disingenuous. Uh, I just don't. We've followed this thing day to day. We understand that, you know, Taylor Heineke had to talk him into playing Sam Howell. We understand right. that he told his wife how surprised he was, you know, and we also understand in, you know, at the time, you know, Ben, ben Standing was the first to call it out, but definitely in hindsight that, you know, the, the labeling him as the QB1 in the offseason wasn't about knowing. It was about deflection and hoping. I'm not suggesting, by the way, that they thought he didn't have any chance. I think there were people that did like him and liked some of the things that he could do. And I think they always liked his physical abilities. Um, but I think when they did that, it was like, well, let's go with this. Because they didn't have any other options either. It's not like they, with the ownership situation in flux, they, they could go out and make a big trade or make a big free agent splash or make a big trade and draft somebody. But um, I think ultimately he is going to play well more than not. There's going to be a lot of discussion when we get to the end of this thing that Sam Howell is the guy to bring back to be the QB1. Uh, general managers love the idea of fifth-round quarterbacks on rookie deals that you can't extend yet because you can't extend them until the end of his third year. And with you know the third most cap space in the league, the idea that they could literally build a contender in the offseason for 2024. Um, and so I think there's a, you know, I think we are trending in the direction subject to change because two weeks removed from the giant game, and he still has this flaw, especially when the offensive coordinator doesn't make it easier for him. But, uh, you know, I don't think it's enough to save Ron Rivera. I don't. But I think it's interesting that Ron, I think, is convincing himself or talking himself into the possibility that Sam could be, you know, essentially his savior for a fifth and final year. Or maybe as a move into the general manager's office, but n no chance on that one. I don't think there's a chance. It's really on that hard to. It's hard to see a scenario where a fan base that, again, like I said, I think this ownership realizes uh, 
you know, they have a diminished, damaged fan base and are going to be very attuned to, uh, to their feelings, what, what they want. Now, that's God. not necessarily good. I hate that. You know? But, but that's, that's what they're doing with the name. They've heard the fan base speak about the name, and they listened. Why wouldn't they do the same thing with the, with, with the coach? Because, because, Tommy, most fans actually, well, maybe not most. I, I just, I find it to be a turnoff. A negative. I know. If they're, I know it is. If they're answering to the fans on anything other but than something you know, football-wise, I mean, we're we're talking about you know brand and name and everything. That's different. Right. Okay, but but you're 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 turned off by the practice. What if the result is what you want? The the result is what? What do you mean? Sorry. What look? If you're you're turned off by the practice of an owner making football decisions based on what their fans want. Right. And it's not that simple, but to take it into strong consideration, that turns you off. Football, pure football decisions. Pure football decisions, yes. Yes, yes. But what if the result of that is a positive? It's something you would want. Uh, then I wouldn't chalk it up to them caving to the fans. I would chalk it up to good judgment. <laughs> um, I mean, I just... No, it's the end justifies the means, however stinky the means are. I, the, the, the interesting thing about this conversation is that they are a win away on Sunday in Seattle from being a team that will be positioned to make a run to the postseason. If they win the game Sunday and they're 5-5, five and five, and let's say the context to the win Sunday is another strong 440-yard, 27-point you know, offensive performance in one of the toughest venues to play, um, and Sam Howell throws for another 300 and only gets sacked twice, and you know you're five and five with the Giants coming to town with Tommy DeVito at quarterback. You know that's not even a game that even you know even though they do, they they do the Redskins thing where they win and then they lose to somebody that they shouldn't lose to, which should you should never describe it as shouldn't. But if they should beat, that'll be the first should win game in a long time yes. if they play the Giants you know with Tommy they, DeVito. They could be. They, yeah. they could be six and five Thanksgiving Day against Dallas on Sunday uh, on Thanksgiving. Yeah, and that's why I say Sunday, if they win this game, I mean it's very possible at the end of the day they're they're in the playoffs. Okay, and as the seven seed, um, if if they but but even if they're not, if they win this game on Sunday, and you're going to look at it and you're going to say. Well, if nine's the number, and that's probably the number, they only got to get four more, and the Giants and the Rams and the Jets are, you know, they only got to get three more, excuse me, because they would be, no, they'd have to get four more. Um, Yeah. Yeah, they have to get four more. So uh, you'd have, uh, you know, the Giants coming up, you'd have the Rams and the Jets coming up. Who knows a game against? I mean, you're gonna you're gonna take this to the end of the year in contention. 
just like you have the last three years. I mean, which have all been meaningless. Yeah, they other than the division title at seven and nine that produced the playoff game that that, uh, that they almost beat Tom Brady in. Um, Who was the quarterback of that game? Taylor Heineke. Wow, look at that! You knew that. <laughs> you knew that. That was the that was the game where Chase Young was a non-factor. He was so good down the stretch for them, and then he was he produced nothing in that game. That's not true. He he was in that picture pointing at Heineken, Heineken. Heineke's back jersey. Yeah, he was. You know, he was in that famous picture. <laughs> so he did something. Um, I, I I hate doing this for a third straight day, but I'll, we'll do it real quickly because there's just a lot of stuff that I was reading from a lot of you guys about the Chase Young conversation that I know I addressed to a certain degree yesterday, but I want to address it one more time with Tommy. Uh, we will do that. We'll get Tommy's prediction on the game Sunday. Uh, we've got a You Heard It Here first before the end of the show. Lots to get to. Let me just tell you right now that Window Nation has one of their best deals of the year going. Temperatures are going to start dropping soon and rapidly. That'll soar your energy costs. You'll be paying a lot for your heating bills, especially if you've got old drafty windows. Your furnace just works too hard to keep your family warm and keep your energy bill down. Window Nation wants to help out this month with 0% financing for five years, plus two free windows with every two you buy, no limit. Now's the time to protect your family from the elements, lower your energy costs, and upgrade the look and feel of your home. Window Nation will take excellent care of you. They make all their windows here locally. 96% of their installs go off without a hitch, meaning no requirement for uh, follow-up service. They get it right the first time. Uh, they're going to make your house look better. They're going to make your air conditioning and heating bills go down. You're going to be working with a really good company that I've known for 14 years, and they take care of all of the people that I send them. If you've been thinking about new windows, call them at 866-90-NATION or go to windownation.com. You'll get a free estimate if you mention my name, which means you have nothing to risk. 0% interest for five years. Buy two, get two free with no limits, so you're paying half price on the windows. Call them now, 866-90-NATION or windownation.com. More right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of The One. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. If you're looking for a place to bet on sports, MyBookie is the spot. Go to mybookie.ag. Use my promo code, KevinDC, and you'll get a cash bonus on your first deposit. Now, they'll ask you to give the promo code in a section that says promo code. And if there's something already written in it, which some of you have mentioned to me over the last few months, just erase it and write Kevin DC. Uh, my bookie's got fair point spreads, fair lines, fair pricing, uh, fair money lines, fair pricing. This is a spot where even if you have a spot already, you should have a second spot. It adds up, you know, on minus 125s versus minus 110s on a loss. That's not my bookie. It's a lot of these new places that are trying to cover a lot of their customer acquisition costs with very hard, uh, very high costs back to you on losses. Uh, my bookie is going to charge you minus 110 on almost every loss. Right now they've got Seattle up to six and a half against Washington minus 110. Washington, if you like them, plus six and a half minus 110. The total in the game, 44 and a half. By the way, what a dud tonight for Thursday night football. Chicago and Carolina. Um, in fact, I think I, a lot of the primetime games coming up are not very attractive. A lot of that flexing, I think, is going to come into play. Uh, this year, you're able to flex Monday night games. We'll see if that happens. Anyway, mybookie.ag. Promo code Kevin DC. We talked about Chase Young on Tuesday. We talked about Chase Young's press conference on Tuesday. You had a reaction. I had a reaction. I talked Tommy yesterday about many people who had reached out to me and said, you know, Chase knocked the, you know, vibe, knocked the culture. And yet, you know, he didn't do anything to help it, which is true. It's 100% true. I just personally watched that thing, and I just thought Chase was spitting out words, spitting out sentences, trying to string them together. I don't think it was super thoughtful. I don't think it usually is with him. I didn't think he was really going after his teammates. I think it's fair to say that he probably was going after some of the coaches to a certain degree um, with some of what he said um, in that San Francisco introductory uh, presser when he talked about, you know, the vibe and the culture, et cetera, et cetera. And look, you know, Ron and company um, or somebody in that organization, you know, they leaked a bunch of, you know, very unattractive stuff about him anonymously. And so maybe he was ticked off about that. But a lot of you really pushed back on my take more than Tommy's take. Um, you, um, this was from Douglas. I got more of this even after yesterday. Kevin, how delusional is this guy talking about culture and he did nothing himself to make it better? From Gary, 
Chase Young needs this to be a wake-up call. He was a big part in hurting Ron's effort to implement and build a new culture. Netting it out for me, guys, because there's a game Sunday, but there's still a lot of talk about this, and, and I think there have been a lot of really good points. I think it's very interesting, the reaction to Chase's presser, even more so to what I deem to be pretty low-rent anonymous leaks about Chase Young, even though all of them have said the right things publicly, including Ron yesterday. Chase Young was responsible for his own demise, and the coaching staff, from my standpoint, was cowardly in not coaching him tougher. Uh, You know, Chase Young should have been benched. He should have – a lot of the time he was because of injury. Um, But I'm saying when he was healthy enough to play, uh, I I didn't see – Chase Young treated the same way or coached the same way Emmanuel Forbes has been coached. I didn't see a lot of calling out by name like they did with Jamin Davis, you know, uh, during uh, his early first year or second year. Um, there was obviously the the implication that it was Chase with maturity, et cetera. But I just think that ultimately Chase is at fault and so is the team uh, for you know, this not working out. Uh, the bottom line is number two pick in the draft. He's gone in three and a half years. He's gone for a late third round compensatory pick. Um, and they couldn't wait to get rid of him. They're the ones that drafted him. They should have done better due diligence on him. So they're at fault for that. Uh, and then I think they didn't coach him hard enough. That would be a big part of it. But I totally hear you on Chase you know, the, the idea that Chase is talking about culture out there, and here's a guy that wouldn't even post for one OTA day as a team captain when everybody else in the building did. I hear you on that, and I agree with you. Tommy, you do, know, you have, and do you have anything on this? Well, uh, let me just point out that it turns out that Brian Arakpo was a better draft pick than Chase Young, wasn't he? <laughs> well, yeah, I guess so. Sure. I guess he was. Yeah. The other thing is, I think you give Chase too much uh, credit for being ignorant about what he said. Okay. Uh, this is a guy who, based on, uh, I'm assuming, has had some training in, in, in public speaking and in dealing with reporters. Since he was so interested in having, quote, a Hollywood type of image with the commercials, okay, uh, with the family feud appearance. Uh, you know, he's not a neophyte when it comes to dealing with the media. Oh, Tommy, he's not a very good so interview. I think when he, it's not a very good interview. Huh? It's, he's not a very good no, interview. No, he's not very good. That yeah. doesn't mean he doesn't know what he's doing. Okay. And uh, maybe he didn't realize what he said, but when he said, I know I'm in a building with winners, that he, he's drawing a distinction. He's, he's, and and his, play, his teammates get caught up in that distinction, whether by accident or not. I think it's... No, int- I'm, I'm not as sympathetic okay. as, as you are that he didn't really realize what he was saying. It's not I think sympathetic. He, it's I, I think it's an observation. in the media, but we're done with Chase Young, right? Yeah, I'm just saying, it, it's not that I have sympathy for him. I mean, I, I have been after him for a couple of years to grow up and be more mature, I wanted it to work out for him. No doubt I did. Um, but, yeah, I think we're done with Chase Young. I think we're ready to move on from Chase Young. 
We'll yeah, see what happens. Let's face it. He didn't, make you, he didn't make you look too good, did he? No. He didn't. And, and we can't have that. <laughs> can't can have we? that. That's, you know, look, we, all of us that do this are right and, and wrong about a lot of things. I mean, yes, um, I, yes, yes, but, but, yes. I, but one last thought. I actually was somewhat surprised, at least in my timeline, and maybe it was the same in yours, I don't know, that there was a lot of anti-Chase Young after his presser the other day when I kind of felt all along that people blamed the coaching staff for Chase Young's, you know, demise here. Uh, I, I and, and I think that there's a really good point. I think they're making great points, and I, I've never taken Chase off the hook. Uh, my observation of what he was saying the other day is completely different as different from and separate from who was the most to blame in Chase Young being out of here before the end of his rookie deal. It's kind of an amazing thing, right? Number two overall pick. He did not make it through his full rookie contract. It really is. It really is amazing. But, you know, the writing was on the wall when they didn't give pick up his fifth-year option. Yes, but, you, you know, yes, it was. It was. No doubt. They, they really would have been better off trading him if they'd gotten any kind of offer before the draft and then yes. a, approaching the draft yes. in, in that way. Man, we've had some number two picks here over the last ten years, eleven years, that uh, didn't didn't exactly reach what we thought they were going to reach. Okay, uh, time for Tommy's prediction for Sunday. So, what are you thinking there, big can, fella? Did you get last week right? Well, can we? Uh, did I? I said they were going to win twenty nine to twenty. Twenty nine to won. twenty. Got it. But yeah, yeah. So uh, I pointed that out uh, in, in my Twitter wars after the game when I, I, I posted they won, but it shouldn't have been so hard to beat such a bad team. <laughs> and everyone, you know, piling on saying, you know, you hate this team, you hate this team. And I said, well, I pointed, I said they were going to win. <laughs> I, pick, I picked them to win, too. I had it 24-23. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. So your but, prediction but for Sunday. Before we get to that. Yes. Before we get to that, a brief interlude. I was listening to your show today, coming back from uh, from somewhere where I was at, and uh, I heard uh, your segment with Paul Charchian. Is that his name? Yeah, Charch. And I got to tell you, you know, I, I was almost ready to turn it off when I, I thought it was going to be about fantasy football. But when he started talking about pinball yeah. well, and Godzilla... I almost had to pull off the road. I was so giddy. Oh, Church is one of my favorite conversations every week. We we end up talking about a lot of things that have nothing to do with fantasy football because, as you know, I don't really care about fantasy football. You know, we do these fantasy <laughs> football segments for years on radio, and so many of you are in fantasy. I'm in a fantasy league. By the way, I'm in one of his leagues, and I've got a hell of a team. But like I've told you for years, like people who bet on sports, fantasy, you know, everybody participates, but it is the marijuana to the sports betting heroin. It's a completely different <laughs> high. Um, so, uh, but no, I love but, charts. But the pinball yeah, discussion oh, yeah, yeah. was so yeah. great. Yeah. He has a pinball machine. I love that. I always wanted 
uh, a bowling machine in my house. You know, the the ones they had in bars with the little disc, right? Where you play like regulation and strike ninety and yeah, and all these other games. I always wanted one in my house, but I never that was never. I always wanted a jukebox too, but I never acquired either. So I love the idea that this guy has a pinball machine in his house, and that it's a Godzilla pinball machine because I'm a big Godzilla nut. As as you know, you and I have and had conversations me, about pinball before. Yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah, we have, and it always reminds me of my fond memory of going to church in East Stroudsburg uh, when my parents thought I was old enough to go by myself, and they would give me money to put in the collection plate. And right before the collection plate would be passed around, I'd get out of church. I'd walk about two blocks up the Bucks College Shop. The, the college soda fountain right across from East Stroudsburg State, and I played pinball with, with all the church money. <laughs> so much for your little donation there. Um, yes, I, I I loved pinball. I mean, my friends yeah. and I in junior high school, high school, we played a lot of pinball in Seven Elevens and in bowling alleys. I've told you, like there. There's one pinball machine more than any other that I remember distinctly, and it's the Evil Knievel pinball machine game. That one was in oh, a, yeah. that one was in the Seven Eleven on River Road in Bethesda for years. Uh, that was a good one. Um, Vulcan, which was right next to it, was 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 another one. Yeah, I mean, loved pinball, and you know, I. I told Charge this morning, if you were listening to it, my son and his girlfriend, they were living in Columbia Heights um, about a year ago. Yeah, it was a year ago this time. They had a place, and they had a pinball machine. They were renting the place, and there was a pinball machine in the place. And so when I was there, uh, I started playing, and they're like, when are you leaving? And I said, I'll be leaving soon enough. But I was just sitting there for like an hour playing pinball. It's still so much fun to do. Um, yes. You know, and especially if you got a really good machine that you can, you know, that you can beat up a little bit without getting the tilt sign to pop up. Because you got to move that machine a little bit, Tommy. You got to knock it around yeah, you a little do. bit. You got you to massage it a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Um, anyway, uh, all right. So prediction on the game. I like Seattle. I think it's tough to win out there. Uh, I think we've seen, you know, I know the Philly game, he performed well, but a lot of it was come from behind. Uh, and, uh, the team that he performed against last week isn't even an NFL team. Uh, <laughs> that, that Patriot squad, <laughs> Uh, I hey, know just that the, Buffalo the Seahawks two weeks are probably going to be hurting since they just took a beating from uh, the Ravens, but the Ravens are seem to be in a class by themselves. Uh, I like Seattle to win by a score of thirty-three to twenty-four, and I like Sam Howe to contribute to that with two interceptions. When you get on something, it's like a dog with a bone, man. You just don't give it up. This idea, just slipping in, they didn't even play an NFL team. The Patriots are an NFL team. The Patriots two weeks ago beat beat Buffalo. The Patriots the week before were down seven to Miami in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they, they lost a couple of key players. They did, and they've been struggling this year. But the the team that they played that really wasn't 
I see actually this year because they played the Bears coming off the Bears' best game. They played the Giants coming off the Giants' best game. Both of those losses look worse than, you know, if they had lost to the Patriots, the Bears and Giants' losses would have been considered much worse losses than the Patriots' loss. And the funny thing is, is actually, I think I'm coming around to, to, to believing that while an NFL team, the Patriots on Sunday probably in the moment – were the worst team that Washington played all year. Yeah. The, the Giants had Tyrod okay. Taylor. They had nearly beaten Buffalo. The Bears had, had had gotten it rolling a little bit offensively before they came in. Now, the way they lost those games was hideously ugly. Uh, but you're probably right in that in terms of the team that was the most vulnerable to being pounded into submission by Washington in the moment, it was probably the Patriots on Sunday. Except they have Belichick coaching I, the team. There is I that. Know. There is that. Okay. Anything else on the game so Sunday? So, no. 33-24 loss. Uh, you know, but they can win. It's a winnable game. I mean, obviously, it's still a winnable game. Seattle is, what, 5-3? and three? Yeah. But... Uh, coming off that beating that Baltimore gave them, there's a lot of questions. I had a guy on from Seattle this morning. He writes for the, he covers the team for the Tacoma News Tribune, I think it is. And he said, they've just given up so many yards. Seattle has on the ground. And he's like, if I'm Washington, I just run it right down their throat. I thought to myself, yeah, not exactly (laughs) their style. Uh, not exactly what yeah. they want to do, even if the game plan calls for it. But I, I do think we're going to see down this stretch here in kind of the second half of the season, I think we're going to see a not a, a run-to-pass ratio advantage. I think we'll see the pass-to-run ratio come down a little bit. I think Ron's well, gotten through it. Last week, yeah, we like saw it last week, like you pointed out, yep. last week it was much more of a balanced attack than they've had. Yeah, it wasn't balanced, but it was, you no, know, almost more balanced. Yeah, I think I think Atlanta was the most, you know, in terms or the least amount of pass to run ratio, uh, passes to runs uh, called, and and last week was the second least amount. But then again, they weren't even playing an NFL team last week, so you got that. That's right. Um, all right, you we'll, know, you have to consider that. <laughs> we'll finish up with you heard it here first predictions. Tommy wants to talk about something that he did today. And the Wizards won. Just very, very brief NBA talk. We'll get to all of it right after these words from a few of our sponsors. All right, Tommy, tell us about Shelly's. Shelly's back room, my home away from home, 1331 F Street Northwest. I, you know, I find it's hard to believe, but I know some of you have still not discovered it, still have not made your way down there. And I understand that some of you may be operating under restrictions. You know, uh, we all have families. We all have responsibilities. We all have uh, significant others, maybe, that we have to answer to. So I understand uh, those limitations, but I'm going to give you a chance to, to get around that. Uh, Sunday, December 10th, is Family Day at Shelley's. Not officially, but I'm calling it Family Day, okay? <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a commander's bye week, mm-hmm. so the commanders aren't on. So uh, 
You know, there's a good chance that uh, your family may say, well, why don't we go to this one of the museums downtown? Right. You know, uh, that say the commanders aren't playing that day. You know, you can't say, I'm going to watch the commanders because they're not on TV. So that may happen, okay? And so you might have to go downtown with your family, maybe to go to, go watch, go look at dinosaur bones in the Museum of Natural History. It's a good museum. But here's, but here's the thing. You're only two, three blocks away from Shelley's back room at that point. So that's when you trot out after about 10 minutes of dinosaur bones and, and mammoths, uh, hairy mammoths, woolly mammoths. You say, honey, look, you know, my, my feet are hurting me. I'm not feeling too good. Uh, I'm going to go uh, to this place a couple of blocks away and get something to eat and maybe relax a little bit. And you text me when uh, you're ready for me to come meet you guys, and I'll come back and meet you guys. That's family day at Shelly's Back Room, December 10th, Sunday. The sneak away from family. Shelly'sBackroom.com. Yeah. Sneak away from your family day. Um yes, And head over yeah, to Shelly's. That's why I'm calling it family day. Yeah. Well, and, you know, it's holiday time, and place will be decorated, and it'll look great downtown, and... It'd be a great spot to be at. Um, of course, your family won't see any of that. That's the whole idea. Right. All right. Uh, let's get to our You Heard It Here First bold predictions for the week. I've been waiting to hear what the big announcement was going to be. And you got it right here. <laughs> Heard it here first. All right, Tommy, I'll let you go first. What's your bold prediction for the week? My bold prediction is that the next coach for the Washington Commanders will be Jim Harbaugh. Didn't you use he's this gonna, one already? He's going to wind up going to the NFL. Didn't you? And I know a lot one? of people give Chicago the edge, but uh, I think Josh Harris and the new ownership group will put the hard sell on Jim Harbaugh. And I think all things being equal, coaching down the road from his brother while not having to compete against him in the same conference, I think will be very attractive to him. So I think Jim Harbaugh is going to wind up. And, again, a big ticket, high, you know, uh, big spotlight hire like that will certainly generate a lot of enthusiasm among the fan base. Didn't you already do this as a bold prediction? I think I did. <laughs> well, let me, let me change it to my – let me change it then. My bold prediction – is I'm going to repeat my bold prediction from a couple of months before. Okay? Oh, God. you got to give me more. You have to give me more time. It's Thursday. It's this. on the rundown that I sent to you. It's on the rundown that I sent to you. <laughs> the rundown <laughs> that you sent me. Yeah, it Here's is. Here's a bold prediction. What? You're going to send me my first rundown that we've ever done. In the podcast well, next Thursday. For our radio show, we had a rundown all the time. Um, yes, we did. We had a rundown every day. Uh, yes, right. we did. My bold prediction, Washington beat Seattle Sunday to get to 5-5. Five and five. What's that? What's that? What do you mean? I, I, like my, I like repeating a good one better. You do? Why? They, you don't, they're a six-and-a-half-point dog. You don't think that's bold? I don't think the outcome of the of the, the, the upcoming game 
should come into the bowl prediction category. Well, we've talked about this before. It can be an immediate, you know, uh, result, or it can be futuristic. I mean, my all-time call, of course, was that Washington would draft Kirk Cousins. And and are you heard it here for a segment? That came a year before it actually well, that's, happened. That's what we got to do. You got to do something like but, that. But we I can't mean, keep track of those. No, you're doing twice. You're doing the, the work for two different things because now you're going to have a prediction tomorrow at one point of the game. All right, here's and it's going to be Washington. I'll give you another one, but it's not going to be Washington beating Seattle, is it? Well, I, I actually, I actually really do think Washington has a chance Sunday. I really do. And it's not a bold prediction. Well, it is a bold prediction based on the fact that they're a near touchdown underdog, so that qualifies as bold. Um, I wouldn't make the prediction if I didn't think it was bold and then also didn't think that it had a chance to happen. Um, I'll give you another one real quickly, all right? The The AFC North will send four teams to the postseason. This is wow. really bold because it it really Pittsburgh is not a great team, but they're so no, they're not. They're so resilient. They're so tough. They're so well coached. The whole thing, and they're the they're the one that you're not sure about. Cleveland's defense is becoming like one of these all time defenses. I can't wait to see yes. them against Baltimore on Sunday, but the Chargers are kind of. And the Bills. The Bills seem to – there's something wrong in Buffalo. Just something that isn't right in Buffalo. And they still have the Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys, Chargers, Dolphins. Um, the Chargers, who I do think are capable of winning 9-10 games and, and sneaking into the postseason, they still – in the next three weeks, they play the Lions and the Ravens. They still have the Chiefs. They still have the Bills. They do have a non-NFL team on their schedule. They play the Patriots. So the AFC North will produce four playoff teams. First time in history, it was almost the NFC East last year that did it uh, with four teams that finished 500 or better as Washington finished in last place, but they were 8-8-1. Eight, eight, and one. Um, The biggest you know, uh, impediment to this would be the Chargers or the Bills. Most people would think you're nuts if you think – the Steelers or the Browns are going to get in in front of them, but man, the Bills something not it's something is not right in Buffalo. It's like they talked about the window starting to close before the season started. It definitely looks like it's closing on them, and they're going to have to start yeah, all over with Josh Allen, of course. I mean, they at least they have the quarterback part solved. All right, uh, I know okay. that I know you went, uh, wait wait wait, yes. wait 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 wait. I want to back up on my bowl prediction. I want to amend it. Since you, it, since I want it was to put a an eraser to it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's still the same point. subject. Who's going to coach the Commanders? But it's not going to be uh, Jim Harbaugh. Mm-hmm. You know the rumor that was floating around uh, that uh, Mike uh, Florio said he heard uh, from other people in the league. Not from the commanders, but this was a topic of discussion among the league. That the commanders would trade with the Patriots in order to hire Bill Belichick. Right. That's not the deal they're going to make. They're going to trade with the Steelers to hire Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin did, did not get a contract extension. He's got one year left after this on his deal. 
That, that's bold. And it was big news in Pittsburgh that uh, he didn't get a contract extension yet this summer. And Josh Harris, as you know, yes. used to own a piece of the Steelers. Right. Yeah. That's my bold prediction. Okay. That's bold and, by the way, wasn't a repeat of a previous bold <laughs> prediction. I actually um, had a conversation with Mike Jones, our friend Mike Jones, who now writes for The Athletic. Uh, Josh Harris is talking to somebody right now. There's somebody in his ear. Like somebody, you know, he's got a list of potential general managers. He's probably got a list of coaches as well. And the Pittsburgh tie, as you just, you know, uh, revealed your well-thought-out bold prediction for the week on You Heard It Here First (laughs) <laughs> Kevin Colbert was the longtime head of player personnel in Pittsburgh. He's not in the NFL anymore. This is the first year, I think first year, maybe the second year, of being out of the league. Another Pittsburgh tie. I don't know that he knows Kevin Colbert, but as a guy that was a minority shareholder in, in the Steelers, I am sure he could get access to his contact information. And I was saying to Mike, have you guys started the process, you know, reporters, uh, of trying to dig into who's he talking to? Tommy, he's got to he's got to have an advisor right now in his ear. You know, it may be a fill. You know what? It could be Daryl Morey. For all we know, it could be his general manager of the Philadelphia 76ers. You know, it could be just somebody who's super smart in his life that he trusts when it comes to sports and who's been in sports that may not have been in the NFL previously. I don't know. But they're putting a list together. There's got to be a short list of people that they're going to get in touch with to see and gauge interest on general manager, head coach, etc., um, so Kevin Colbert, uh, was a name that I threw out and I'm like, what about him? And Mike's like, yeah, I haven't heard anything. Um, it seems like nobody's heard anything. I really thought that when we got into this second part of the season, we're not really, we're just starting at the beginning of it. Yeah. We're just starting now. I think there are going to be some reports here over the next month about somebody that has been yes. consulting and is on the short list for Josh Harris. In other words, it's Vinny Serrata. Yeah, now it can't be, you know, it can't be Adam Peters, who's currently employed by the 49ers. It can't be somebody who's employed, obviously. But who is it that's going to guide him through the process of creating the list of candidates that they want to interview? You know, if you're not an NFL person, you know... Okay, I want to interview a bunch of people. Well, how do you create that list of people to interview? Do you go talk to Charlie Casserly? Do you go talk to Joe Banner? Do you talk to, you know, who was in Philly forever? May, you know, who knows who he knows in the Sixers organization? I mean, somebody's got to say, here's the list of people that you should be focused on. You know, here are the people that are super smart, super analytical. These are the information analytics guys. Here's a list of guys that are just excellent, you know, evaluators of personnel. Here's another list of guys that are, you know, just uh, have so much experience 
you know, and are big names. What, however you divide it up into the, you know, the potential candidates that you're going to, you know, interview. He, he's got to have somebody to help him put that list together, doesn't he? Yes. Yes, he does. And you know what? It's not me. Is it you? No. No. I mean, you know. Okay, it's I, not us. Anybody can pull up any sort of story written about here are going here are the 10 hot GM candidates for 2024. Anybody can pull up right. the list of here are going to be the top 10, you know, Ben Johnson, the uh, coaching candidates. But that's not, you know, the way they do it. That's what the media does. That's a media opinion. That's a fan opinion. You know, in these organizations, they got to have somebody that says, these are the guys right here. These are the guys that really are ready. Or these are the guys that have really done it that, you know, are going to be available. Or here are the guys that have done it before that are really good that are available. All right. Um, you wanted to talk real quickly about a funeral that you went to this morning. Yeah, this morning I went to uh, Frank Howard's uh, funeral. It was out in, uh, way out in northern Virginia. Jeez, uh, what was the town it was in? Uh, oh it was uh, Aldi, Virginia. Aldi, Virginia. I've heard of Aldi, uh, Virginia, I think. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's west of Leesburg, west and south of Leesburg. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, the only ball player I saw there was Dick Bosman, his former teammate. I was surprised. I thought there'd be more baseball people there. Uh, Dick Bosman was the only former teammate or ball player of any type I saw there. Uh, Mark Lerner was there, the owner of the Nationals. Mm -hmm. uh, he was there to pay his respects. And I noted that uh, two teams had sent uh, flowers uh, expressing their condolences. The New York Mets, where Frank had been a coach at two different times and actually managed them in 1983 for 116 games. Wow, I didn't know that. And the Texas Rangers, who Frank played his last, you know, in 72 right. after the Senators moved to Arlington, Texas. Uh, there were a lot of other teams that Frank worked for over the years as a coach uh, or as a player, the Dodgers. And I didn't see any flowers from then. It was, it was a crowd of seventy. It was kind of disappointing. You know, I I thought it, I thought it would be bigger a a bigger event, a bigger tribute, a bigger memorial. I mean, because there's a statue of this guy right. outside Nats Park. There's not many statues of sports figures in Washington D.C. Yeah. In fact, that those are the only three: Josh Gibson, Frank Howard, and Walter Johnson. That's it. Um, so, uh, but it was a nice service, and uh, you know, I saw Frank's family there, his sons, one of whom looks like just like him. Uh, and you know, I knew Frank, not real good, but I had dealings with him over the years. And I just wanted to pay my respects. Very nice of you. Um, all right. Anything else? The Wizards won last night. Very impressive. <laughs> Kyle Kuzma. Well, I got to tell you, yeah. that, that NBA, that's a top-notch product. It really is. Um, so last night, I'll finish it up with this. Uh, I watched this 
Netflix um, show. It's actually four episodes. Everybody's been raving about it. It's the number one show on Netflix. And last night was one of those nights where it's not like there was a lot of sports going on. It's called All the Light We Can We Cannot See. It was really good. Um, it was well done. It's very beautiful in terms of the way they shot it. It's a World War II story. Um, I liked it. I, I didn't love it. People have been raving about it. I, I thought it was. I thought it was good. Um, I didn't think it was the greatest thing that I've ever seen. I but, heard, but it was good. I heard you talking about it on the radio, uh, and uh, and I'm going to watch it. It sounds interesting. It, We're going to watch it. Well, it's it's because of you know we like the you know those kinds of period uh shows you know world war ii shows that kind of i i think you'll like it i i I was expecting to be blown away by it based on all the people that reached out to me to say this is can't miss i liked it it was good um but when it was over when i had finally come up after four straight (laughs) hours i think i started to watch it at like eight uh i ended up landing on Last night's Warriors Nuggets game, uh, and it was coming down the stretch, final three minutes. There is no doubt that Nikola Jokic is the best player in the NBA. I don't even think it's close, and is also one of the most enjoyable players to watch. Whether playoffs, my preference when it comes to NBA, but man, is the Joker great. He is so great. And they won the game. I agree with you. Funny, he missed two free throws at the you. end um, to put it away. But he's just hes just so awesome to watch. I don't know if I've seen a player since, I don't know, Bird, Magic, LeBron for sure. LeBron for sure. But, that just sees the game know, and has the IQ you, he has. You do know he blows your the theory that you that – you, you know, promote when you talk about the NBA now as opposed to players from years ago. The evolution of the game where players are bigger, stronger, and faster. Yeah. He's not bigger. He's not stronger. Right. And he's not faster. Yeah, but you know what he does do, he's Tommy? None of those. He can shoot threes. <laughs> so there's there's a little <laughs> give and take there. You're right, and he also steps it out to twenty eight feet regularly. Um, he is fun to watch. A lot of fun to watch. I'll grant you that. All right. Uh, anything else? I got nothing else for you today, boss. All right. I'll be. My work is done. I'll be back. To, you did a good job, except for you heard it here first. I'll be back. Oh, I think I rebounded tomorrow. With a strong. You heard it here first. Of course, you thought so. I'll be back tomorrow with Jay Gruden <laughs> and to preview the football weekend. No smell test picks uh, for tonight. Have a good uh, Thursday night. Back tomorrow. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. 
Go to buyoptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.